welcome to Backboard Banter on the board with your hosts, Matt Middleton and Kevin Rayner, where the band is aspirations of Steph Curry at that NBA All-Star game, my friend. The turnaround stare-down of Trey and Giannis was absolutely cold, man. The ball hadn't even started coming down. Wow. I mean, I think there was also a point where he hit, like, three back-to-back three-pointers. Stephen Curry is the greatest three-point shooter that we have witnessed playing basketball. It's beautiful to see. LeBron is now 3-0 and when Curry is on his team, 1-0 against Curry, and 1-0 when Curry isn't playing at all. Is LeBron the highlight? Is Curry the highlight? Like, there's so many weird things that happens in these storylines, but at the end of the day... I mean, we saw some good basketball once again. We definitely saw some good basketball, my friend. And the fact that Steph was hitting those logo shots was just unreal. But, you know, we don't want to get too far into it. I will take this, you know, nice little segue into the fact that you jinxed our boy Freddie, man. You jinxed him hard. He looked so bad. (laughs) And he's so good. That first shot hitting the side of the backboard, like, poor Fred. You know what? He looked like he had a good time, at least. You know, unfortunately, things happen. Cat comes out as the three-point winner. It was a it was a weird storyline all around. But yeah, I guess I'm I'm the worst for for causing some jinxing at the end. You know what, man? He did play actually better in the the game, the actual All Star game. So maybe that was the thing. Uh, but <laughs> hey, man, you jinxed him. I was three for two on the games that I called on Thursday night. I mean, not bad. I should have gone with the underdogs. <laughs> I mean, hey, three for two. It's a winning record. I think you were undercutting the scores a little bit, you know. Definitely. People were putting them in the basket a little bit more than you were expecting. But, I mean, I don't blame you, man. It was supposed to be the last games before the weekend. People were supposed to be chilling before they get to go on vacation. But apparently everyone came to ball, so un- unexpected that night. Oh, man, that's rough. But, hey, three for two, I'll take it on a, on a five-game swing. You know, if I put 100 down on each and I won, you know, 200 bucks on those and I lost 100 on the others, I'm good. I'm good. Matt knows my favorite game is roulette. You know, got to play those odds, got to play those odds, so I get it. But, hey, Matt, is it time to talk about the NHL? Are we in a positive place for you, my friend? Because what is going on Dude, in Montreal? I, I have no idea what I'm watching anymore. So I had actually kind of quit watching the Montreal Canadiens halfway through the season because I was like, this is so bad. It's it, it it's not even NHL quality hockey that they're playing. Um, the fact that they were charging people to get into these games, the fact that they were broadcasting them on television, like it was just pathetic. They The five games before St. Louis took over, we talked about it, man. They looked oh, yeah. unfixable. They played three straight losses under Marty where they actually looked competent and capable and then went back-to-back games for the first time in the season and go on a four-game win streak in the regular season for the first time since January 12th to 18th 2019 was the last time they won four straight games in the regular season obviously they won seven straight in the playoffs last year with the Leafs and the Jets series Um, but this is the first time that has actually happened in the regular season the players just look different they look confident they look happy and we talked about you know marty's philosophies and the way that he preaches the game to these guys and i just absolutely love it my friend you you have to enjoy yourself you know in in anything that you're doing regardless of whether it's sport whether it's work and these guys they play their work you know they get to come and they get to play hockey and make millions of dollars to do it but I'm sorry, man. If you are not happy in your work environment, if you go to work not enjoying what you're doing, it's going to show, right? And the boys are in this resurgence period. My man Marty has come in, and he has brought a cloud under this organization. He has let the boys thrive and play the game of hockey the way that they want. And that gift of a four-game win streak, it's right there for you. Dude, it's, it's what you said there, that they're playing the game that they want to play. Instead of forcing them into something that they're not good at, instead of forcing them to make decisions based on a system that they don't necessarily all understand and that are all reading the game slightly differently at the time and in the positions that they are. I think the like the biggest thing for me all season is like Jeff Petrie, who's been like he was a dark horse Norris trophy candidate last year. He the last three seasons he's been talked about as one of the best defensive players in the NHL. This season he's been god-awful he makes mistake after mistake he looks like he wants to kill people on the ice he's come out against Dominic Ducharme multiple times talking about the system talking about how bad it is and he's looked atrocious 
under the games under Marte San Luis, it looks simple. He knows what he's doing. You know, the whole reason you play a man or a, a zone concept in the defensive end is to be able to block passing lanes through the middle. Montreal switched to a man-on-man defense, and yet they're better at block- blocking passing lanes now than they were under the zone defense. Wow. It's, he simplified the game. He's asked them to do a few non-negotiable things that he says that he has, you know, puck management, uh, taking care of your teammates, making sure that you understand the time and situation of the game. But then he gives them complete freedom to make the decisions that they need on the ice. And he even said it um, in his introductory press conference that the smartest players are going to play the best in his system because he lets them read. And Nick Suzuki is probably one of the smartest hockey players I've ever seen in my career. Last night was the best game he's ever played. He had two goals, an assist. He was absolutely dominant. Um, I've never seen him play this way. And the passes that he was making, just consistently getting guys open, just honestly like just using the full area of the ice it was i can't explain it it's night and day my friend it's night and day short kings baby it's beautiful to see amen right and you know it's the fundamentals right you talked about the fundamentals of 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 having these players come in and and marty expecting certain things from them and when you go through a tough loss streak right when when things aren't going your way exactly you have to go back to the fundamentals. You have to go back to what makes hockey work, right? And if you're if you're losing games, you're not going to be thinking about, I need to be doing this little thing. You're like, I should just be doing that instinctively. So I think getting back to the basics, getting back to the core of, of playing the game has been really good for the boys. Absolutely. Even Cole Caulfield said it after the last game, um, not last night, but the game before, the major difference under Dominic Ducharme and Martin Saint-Louis is that Martin Saint-Louis trusts him. Um, yeah, you know, if, if he makes a mistake, he's not going to get glued to the bench. Um, Marty's come out and he said, you know, I don't care if my players make mistakes. I care if they're f- afraid to make the mistake. Because when you're afraid to make the mistake, you never make the right play because it's there's that fear. Nobody, you can't play and be successful in any sport or in life if you're scared. I mean, people who take the biggest risks end up the biggest yeah. winners. That is just the way that the that our lives are set up. And so Cole Caulfield is now taking his risks and getting rewarded for it. I mean, the fact that he had eight points in 30 games under Dominic Ducharme, he has 10. He's 10 and seven. He's six goals in seven games. He had one goal. He could, he legitimately, Trevor Zegras, his 40-goal incoming prediction, the the Cole Caulfield Calder Trophy already locked up talk. If Martin Saint-Louis had been the coach and he had played like this all season, it's a wrap, awesome. man. If he even played like this all season, he'd be tra- challenging Austin Matthews for the goal-scoring lead in the NHL, which is ridiculous because that man is un- unreal good at scoring goals. So it's just it's night and day, my friend. It's night and day. I can't believe it. Man, the kid's on a crazy pace. It's it's wonderful to see. I mean, Matt knows I work with kids for uh, as a ski racing coach, and at the end of the day, they want to have fun, they want to thrive, and they want to do what they love doing. And if the fundamentals aren't there, you can't succeed. And the boys are now succeeding because Marty has opened the doors and allowed them to play their game of hockey. So it's a beautiful thing, Matt. I'm so glad to hear it for you. Absolutely. And one last thing about Marty, man. He just he even said in a recent interview, you know, the thing – excuse me, the things that I was doing in Bantam with those kids, I'm doing it today in the NHL. I'm teaching the exact same (laughs) concepts. I'm teaching the exact same style that I was teaching to Bantam hockey players. And it's working in the NHL because he's given them freedom to be NHL players. They all made it there based on talent and instinct. It wasn't because they had great junior coaches or AAA coaches or that coached them up. You know, yes, they had good coaches along the way, but it's based on instinct and talent. And he allows that to play out, and it's just unbelievably good, man. It's <laughs> let's let's not forget that this is the National Hockey League. It's one of the best leagues in the world. You can't come in and be like, "I need you guys to do this, that, and the other thing, and be in this specific box that I've created for you." It's like, "Oh, you guys are incredibly good at what you do. Here's some ideas of how I want us to play. Let's go win some games." Like, play come on. to your strengths, man. And it's, it's turned their team around. It's, it's actually the exact opposite of what's happening in the other major Canadian city in hockey. The Leafs are, are on a kind of a slide here. And I don't know if I've ever seen a goalie make an all-star game 
in a season and also be considered one of the worst goalies in the NHL. The fact that they have the 31st best save percentage since December 1st, while also giving up the third fewest chances per game, is just hilarious to me that they would even have him in the conversation for an All-Star game. The fact that Bodog.net ranked him a top 10 player? Player! Not goalie. He's not even a top 5 goalie. I could name 5 goalies instantly that are better than him. Like, it's... Baffling to me, but hey, Toronto man, that is what it is. Oh, it is Toronto, Matt. Is there like a weird like yin and yang situation with Toronto and Montreal? Like when one goes up, the other must come down. Like I'm hoping that maybe that's happening for Montreal now. Who knows, man? Who knows? I mean, it looks like that in the playoffs last year, right? You know, Toronto came out and they got that three-one series lead, and then all of a sudden they go down. Montreal comes up, they make the playoffs. So, hey, but. Man, if I'm a Leaf fan, I am absolutely nervous about this goaltending. I could probably care a little bit less about my defensemen. Yeah, they haven't looked great. Um, Justin Hall has been, you know, like he's been a little bit of Swiss cheese out there. And Jake Muzzin got hurt in that Montreal game, which was a scary collision. I hope that guy's okay because he's had concussion issues and that's not great. Um, but I would not worry about my defense. I would worry about my goaltending. And they picked up a guy, Carter Hutton, who has like a 745 save percentage this year. Not looking good. Yike. Yeah, remember, your goalie is your last line of defense people. Come on, we got to make sure that they know what's going on at the end of the day. Yeah, my prediction of them winning the Stanley Cup ain't feeling too good right now for me, my friend. Not too great. Which is low-key a good feeling for Matt, for everybody that knows him. So kind of hilarious the way that works out for you, my friend. All right, anything else on the NHL front? Do we got any more magic to talk about? No, man. I mean, there's there's tons always going on in the NHL, but I just wanted to talk about that Montreal magic. <laughs> this guy in his happy place right now with Montreal. We love to see it. We love when we get happy Montreal, Matt. But it's basketball time, my friend. And We'll get rid of some of the, you know, the, the classic things out of the way before we get into All-Star Weekend and some other wild rumors that we're hearing. But let's talk injuries first, Matt, because a big one comes out of All-Star Weekend. CP3, he's got a thumb injury. Six to eight weeks, could miss two months. Basically, the guy might be resting his legs until the playoffs. Could be bad, but maybe good at the same time for Phoenix. So it'll be really interesting to see how this works out for them. You know, I didn't think of it that way. What I thought when I heard the thumb injury, that's a really great take. I thought, Thank you. oh, that is not good for them. Because he is the cog that runs that team. I mean, we all know what they yeah. were before CP3 showed up and after what CP3 showed up. So for me, I think it opens the door for Golden State to kind of get in there, which I don't know if it's a great thing for them. Yeah, But I like your take, man. I think as a 36-year-old player getting to rest six to eight weeks, I mean... Colin Coward always talks about the Lakers would never have won that championship <laughs> if they didn't have the bubble if a brittle AD and old LeBron didn't get that rest. So, hey, man, maybe CP3 is getting the rest that he needs to take them to the finals. Honestly, as much as I'd love to see Milwaukee go back-to-back or a Raptors championship, Phoenix is kind of up there with me. CP3 getting a, getting a championship would cement his legacy for me, and that man deserves it. You know, I talked about how important the Bucks winning was for the league last year, right? And, you know, the Suns kind of had a similar story, but it's going to be really interesting, right? It is an injury to his shooting hand, so that's never something that we want to see. But the Phoenix Suns, man, they're in such an interesting place. They're obviously the, the, the talk of the league right now. And I was talking to Matt about this fun little analytical find that I had before this week. So obviously the best three shots in the NBA are free throws, layups, dunks, and three-pointers, right? And people will go for years and say, you got to hit the best shots. you got to do the best shots, the most efficient shots. Phoenix, on the other hand, though, is kind of doing this weird thing. And with CP3 being out, I don't know if they can continue it because he is such a big cog. But they've still got Devin Booker, right? They've still got Mikhail. They've still got Aiden. They've still got this interesting thing. But, Matt, they're 25th in free throw attempts. They're dead last in layup attempts. And they're 27th in three-point attempts. Wild. But they lead the league in two-pointers outside the restricted area. They're a team that is playing to their strengths. They're shooting the shots that are the best shots for their players. And Monty Williams better be coach of the year this year because this team is playing lights out good. Dude, it's what we just talked about with Montreal, right? Like, play to your yep. strengths. Don't force guys into to systems that they're not comfortable in. 
Um, and the fact that they're just allowing this team to to play an efficient style that they want to play, that's why they're so good, man. Because I, I love that everyone always argues, you know, three is more than two, three is more than two. Do you know what's not more than two? Zero. Zero. And at the end of the day, three-point shots only go down at a 30 to 40% clip if you're good at it. So three is a lot more than two or three is more than two but two is a lot more than zero it's it's the problem that we live in in the analytical age right where you can take a certain efficiency percentage and say yeah this is the best but the problem with that is you don't look into account of hey steph curry is your like epic point of this seth curry his brother is actually a better percentage shooter right like you talk about certain shots being the best you can but this is if you take the best shooters of said shots you know, Devin Booker is one of the best two-point shooters in the league. Look at what DeMar is doing for the Bulls right now. Literally, the league is being led by two-point shooting right now. I think the DeMar thing was absolutely fantastic that you brought that up. Because I, I found an old Bleacher Report article from before the season talking about the worst NBA offseason signings. And he was yep. number one. <laughs> and I remember reading it at the time, thinking to myself, that was a poor take. Because DeMar DeRozan... Although, yes, the, the the analytical game of three points has passed him, quote-unquote, and has left him in this dark age of two-point mid-range shooting, he is a master. He is, a, he is Kobe. He is MJ to what two-point shooting is in today's NBA. And if they just allow him to thrive on that and be efficient on that while the other guys open the floor and take the threes... You get he he could be league MVP man. And, he's great. And Matt, w- w- the best part about that is I can add to that. You know he's shooting like thirty five percent or thirty four percent from three right now because he doesn't have to take contested threes because he plays his game, takes the shot he wants, and when he does take a three, he's open in the corner. He's open over here. Like it enables so much. Like that's why it's so much fun to talk about. And like I had to ping off of this injury segment because we are witnessing greatness in a weird way in the NBA right now. Absolutely. And it's going back to the old style. I mean, even if you look at the resurgent bigs in the NBA. So, uh I think it's Wilt Chamberlain has the or or Cream has the highest PER um for an NBA big in history. I think it was like 30, right. 31.8 or something. Um do you know currently Jokic has a 32.4, Joel Embiid oh, yes. has a 31.8, and Giannis yeah also has a 31 point like six or something so yeah. the, you have the this resurgence of big guys and of two points also mixed in with these three-point assassins i kind of just absolutely love where the nba is right now are, are we living through a new golden age right like matt and i are going to talk about this for years obviously and in, in in the new talent that's coming up and obviously you know to, to keep it in injuries and to flow the rest of this conversation like james wiseman is coming back for golden state and matt really believes in golden state right now and i'm glad because i was big on them coming into the year apparently not big enough like i didn't know that they would be this good but will wiseman be valuable to them like have they kind of moved past needing wiseman at this point they definitely have not moved past that. I think with um, Draymond Green's back injury, um, oh yeah, true. The 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 issues that he's gonna have um, staying healthy because you know I've got a bad back. Back injuries don't <laughs> just heal overnight. Um, no. They're they're constantly something that you have to work on. Constantly something that you're thinking about, stretching, figuring out, and um, one wrong move can just flare it right back up. Think about Michael Porter Jr. So, so. exactly. So I think getting Wiseman back is a huge huge thing for this roster um it allows them a little bit more versatility with their centers um he's a he's a pretty good shooter um you know coming into the league that's why he was a top two pick um I think it's great for their roster to get him back and I think he's gonna help propel them to the to the top of the Western Conference I honestly think with this CP3 injury they have that potential to get there now and we'll, we'll see what happens it's been a really fun race, especially, you know, we're not even talking about Memphis because I feel like all we do is talk about Memphis week in and week out and Jaw has been unreal for this team and they're still crawling, you know, right there in third place in the West. But let's keep moving, Matt. 
Uh, we'll talk about Simmons' debut being here, but, I mean, let's not actually talk about it because at this point, who really cares? Dude, all I want to say is this guy is not hurt. He should be playing as soon as they have a game. If he's not in game shape, play him five minutes. If he's, you know, needs to ramp up, ramp him up in game. That's how he's going to get there because he needs to play that March 10th game. I'm sorry. I know that's yeah. <laughs> what everyone's talking about him avoiding against Philadelphia. You need to get that off your back. Because if yeah. you have to play them in the playoffs, it's going to be a completely different atmosphere. And even though the regular season game is going to feel like a playoff environment, if you have a poor game, that's fine. It didn't hurt you guys in the series. Now you exactly. can get over it. You can get past it. And he needs that. I think I think it needs to set a precedent in New York that I'm not going to be the same Ben Simmons. Like, we all see him shooting those threes, man. I, I love seeing those videos of him, him shooting threes <laughs> in practice and, and whatever. I saw that three years ago. I saw him taking turnaround corner threes, jumping. Like, you know, I saw those videos in training three years ago. I want to see it in a game. And I want to see him have... I want to see him overcome that, that mental block that's been in his way. And I think it's a, it's crazy to hold him back. I think you need to push him to go. And I think you need to give him support. And you got to let him know, like, if I'm Kevin Durant, if I'm Kyrie Irving, dude, if you have a bad game, if you miss a three... I'm not going to say anything. I, I'm going to encourage you to take it again. That's what you got to do. I, he's got to play at this point, and they got to figure it out. The Nets are scary, man. If you take all of those players at their peak levels that they could be, the shooters that you now have around that man, I mean, you know, we, we talked about last season how it was Durant's shoe size that kept them from winning a ring. It might be Simmons mental, which is crazy considering that's what Philadelphia was going through. But if this team can come together, I don't know, man. I don't think they can be stopped, especially with the vaccine mandates potentially changing and Kyrie getting his way. Dude, exactly. And I was, I was, I said this when the trade happened that this was the perfect spot for him. You've got Joe Harris, you've got Cam yeah. Thomas, you've got Kyrie Irving, you brought in Seth Curry with you, um, which apparently Danny Green says they don't have a great relationship. Um, you have Kevin Durant <laughs> there. So you can put, um, I don't know, Simmons, Kyrie, Seth Curry, Kevin Durant, and I would say even Blake Griffin at center. And Blake's a decent three-point shooter. He's been shooting threes, yep. <laughs> yeah. Um, and Simmons is driving downhill. I mean, that's just Wait, great. You, you mean great we've offense. created a team like the Bucks? Around a Giannis type play, what? But with a KD player on the edge. Exactly. Oh, they're very good, man. It's. I mean, I remember talking to Austin when the trade happened. How like you know, Brooklyn doesn't have to be set up for this season anymore. But if they want to be, if it all comes together, I would rather face last year's Brooklyn's team than this year's Brooklyn team with Ben Simmons two years ago before the debacle. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, if he can reach that kind of uh, peak power that he was at, where he was basically averaging a triple-double every night and hitting free throws and, and actually attempting three-point shots every now and again um, and like get over that mental block, they're scary, man. Because James Harden, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, none of them are known for defense. Ben Simmons is known for defense. So when you get up against a guy like Giannis, when you get up a guy against a guy like Joel Embiid or Jimmy Butler... Or Pascal Siakam or Jason Tatum, you have the stopper. And and my favorite part about that trade too is right, you took three players right in, in KD, um, Kyrie and Harden, who were probably one of the greatest offensive shooting threats that we've ever seen, and you traded one of those offensive threats for one of the best defensive players we've ever seen in the league. Oh yeah, and also potentially the greatest percentage shooter that exists in the league right now in Seth Curry. How is this a bad trade, people? Get over it. But, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens. It's Anything else on Simmons, or shall we keep going? I just think it's a win-win for both teams, and we can keep moving. Yeah. I so, mean, if I'll you bring up the fact... Go ahead. I, if you want to stick with the Nets, we can talk about Goron, man. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, we can totally do that. I was just going to bring up Nurkic's foot. He's got plantar fasciitis for four weeks. He's going to be out, but, I mean, it's the Blazers, right? They 
Plantar fasciitis is apparently the worst injury. Oh, yes. So I'd be I, I that. still remember like a year and a half ago when Matt taught me how to actually say plantar fasciitis. So, <laughs> yeah, we, we've been there now. We know what's up. But yeah, let's talk about, let's keep talking about the Nets. Let's talk about Goran because he's a great fit. We talk about the Nets being fantastic and now they have another potential ball dominant guard to fit into this rotation. Man, oh, it's wild. I think, I don't think that was the perfect spot for Goran to go, personally. I think um, that was purely ring chasing is what he's looking for and if Simmons isn't ready to play he can kind of fill that role for a little bit um I I, I honestly expected him to go to the Lakers I really did or to um Dallas but eh. I heard that it was a lot to do with Steve Nash and the relationship that they have um from their past Phoenix days um so that factored into it to a lot but yeah you know he is kind of ring chasing. If they're not going to play Simmons, uh, you know, as ball dominant, if the vaccine mandate doesn't change soon enough, Goran can come in and at least for the next couple weeks get potentially 20 minutes with the ball in his hands, playing with really, really, really good players around him. So, yeah, I can totally see why he did it. And we saw in the bubble, man, that Goran's still a high-level player. Um, he didn't fit into our plans. He talked about it, you know, like Masai, Bobby, they told him, we really want to go young. We want to develop the young guys. We want to develop Freddie, Malachi, Delano. And unfortunately, at the end of the day, we can't give you the playing time, the ball time that you want. And yep. so I think they came to a really great agreement. Obviously, his agent is the same agent that represents Scotty. So we've got to keep that agency happy with the Raptors. And we did a very yep. good job of that. We let him go back to Miami, spend time with his family and his kids, and then let him make, and then gave him the out that he was looking for. You know, at the trade deadline, we said that we were going to do, instead of, you know, holding onto his contract and, and not letting him go, we paid a pretty hefty price to get rid of him, in my opinion. And so we did yeah. him a huge favor. Huge. Especially considering the potential rumors that Thad may not even stay, that Thad Young might want to move on. Hey, we found, we found a way to get him to a team that would buy him out because we were not going to buy him out. But yeah, it'll be really interesting to see what happens with Goran. The topic right now in week. my mind... Yeah, we did. I, oh, I forgot. We got back-to-backs against the Nets. Yeah, I'm excited so, about uh, those. He mentioned it yo, too. <laughs> I didn't even put that together. Okay, sweet. Okay, now I'm looking forward to those games. All right, okay. Yeah, I think I can watch both of them too. Hey, hype, hype. All right, so is it time to talk about Zion? Is it time... To have the conversation about one of the greatest offensive juggernaut threats that we've seen in the past few years and whether or not he's going in the direction of Odin or Embiid because what is going on with Zion man well I I don't know man um obviously there's that stuff that JJ Reddick's saying about him not yep. being a great teammate being a little bit detached all that I, I can't speak to that um what I saw at Duke was a happy-go-lucky, charismatic guy. Um, yeah. If the Pelicans have stripped that away from him, that's probably not on him. It's probably on the Pelicans. Um, and then I, I love that you brought up the Joel Embiid comparison because a lot of people have been making that Greg Oden uh, comparison, you and I included. Um, but this week we talked about, you know, Joel Embiid for the first two full years of his career didn't yeah. play. He only played 31 games in his third season so through three seasons he only had a total of 31 games now in those 31 games he showed that he was dominant he absolutely showed that he was a monster and that's why i think if you're a zion fan you have hope because zion has shown that he's a monster the guy averaged 27 4 and 7 yeah. last year as a 20 year old like absolute monster Greg Oden never reached that Greg Oden's career high for points per game is like 10 or something yeah. so if you're looking at the recent top picks that have gone through some injury struggles at the beginning of their career hopefully he can get back on track hopefully he we've talked about this he needs to take his fitness seriously and his eating habits seriously yeah because if we get if we don't get to watch Zion's career man I'm gonna be so sad <laughs> And, so and to tangent to tangent it back to Joel, just to like add to this point, like we're in a tough point for Zion's mental because like you talk about Joel being dominant and only playing the thirty one games, he went back, you know, to Cameroon 
um, after those 31 games when he had that injury. And you know what he was considering, Matt? The guy was considering retiring, not going back to the NBA, because he wasn't sure if he could do it. He's a young kid who is getting ripped apart as the draft pick that he was, who isn't playing games, who is going to be injured, who isn't going to show up. And He's brittle. You think about where he is now and how we didn't, we almost didn't get to see that because a young kid thought to himself, I'm not accepted by this organization. My body maybe can't do this. Maybe I can't be an NBA player. This guy is in MVP conversations. He's one of the most dominant faces of the league right now. So Zion is at a, at a precipice. He's at a really interesting point. And of course we want to see him back. We want to see it. But Matt, he hasn't been seen at practice apparently in like 10 weeks. He's distant. You know, the, the season ticket holders email just went out and Zion's name isn't involved. They've got CJ McCollum's name on it, but no Zion. Like, it's a rough situation. We talked about when he got drafted, right? Like, was this just going to be another AD situation? If it is, oh man, we're heading to a lockout. We're heading into a bad place because how can you have this situation, a star like this, get drafted and then just not play? Even if it is injuries, this, that, or the other thing. It's wild. And the other scary, the scarier part about that is... Um... You know, you bring up AD, which is a great comparison to AD's brittle and, and has had injuries his entire career. And a lot of people actually have placed the blame on the New Orleans Pelicans medical staff because they're actually um, really the New Orleans Saints medical staff. The same guy yeah, owns yeah. the Saints who owns the Pelicans. He's more into football. He doesn't really invest into the Pelicans. He just uses yep. the same. So they're not sports specific We've talked doctors. About this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so AD went through that. And now Zion's going through the same thing. And so I just really hope that they can get him right, man. I understand what he's doing, uh, distancing himself from the team if they are treating him poorly and he's not getting the kind of support that he needs. But he also does need yeah. to be to be with the team, man. Like, he needs to, to show up. He needs to – he's the face of that franchise. He's their best player. And he needs to, he needs to be there. So it's, it's sad to see. It's tough on – I was so high on him coming in, man. I, you know, I really wanted RJ Barrett to be the guy, but over the year he took it from me, and just sad. Man, I will never forget coming home from the ski hill and realizing that it was Zion's debut night for the Pels. Turning my phone on, sitting on the back porch in my old place, watching Zion drain those three pointers back to back to back, and thinking this kid is going to be something special. And we know he is. Absolutely. We just haven't had the opportunity to see it. And we hope that we will in the future, Matt. We, we so do. Yeah, and again, man, he's going to have to get some advice from Charles Barkley, man, and cut down that weight because he can't be walking around at 300-plus pounds, man. Even if he's even so – it's slowing down his injury recovery, man, because he's so yep. heavy. Like, I feel bad for the guy because like, that's just his body type. That's how he does it. But it's also yep. what makes him so great. His explosiveness for how big he is. So yeah, he's he's a freak of nature. He's he's an athletic monster, and hopefully we'll see him back in the All Star game, Matt. Because it was All Star weekend. It was a good time, not a great time. LeBron wins another. You know, Curry does his crazy things. We get to see some hilariousness. The Raptors are cursed. Like, what a time, dude. We don't play well in Cleveland. LeBron has just made it so that Cleveland <laughs> is our nightmare city. I don't know what it is about it. Scotty couldn't hit a free throw. Freddie's hitting the side of the backboard. <laughs> like, what's going on, man? <laughs> it's a it's a classic example of you know the boys have nightmares. You know they see Cleveland, they see the logo of the Cavs, and LeBron James is just there in a Grim Reaper uniform, being like, "I'm taking you out of the playoffs." But yeah, so it's, it was tough. But you know there was some good moments. We have to say there was some good moments this weekend. Obviously, the 75th anniversary team got honored. Um, hilarious moments. Man, KG's face when LeBron and Ray Allen were daffing up beside him and he's like, I'm still angry at you. Like, you know, watching watching MJ like stroke the back of Luca trying to steal his magic. Like, there was some hilarious moments for some of these old guards. Oh, man, it was good stuff. KG, Paul Pierce, and Ray all took a picture together too. So that yeah. was nice to see. I loved KG kind of snubbing him a little bit. I think it was more for the camera. I think they were like kind of just playing it that way. Oh, um, sure. It was good stuff, man. I saw um, 
you know, after Michael's trying to steal Luca's magic, Cat goes over and daps him up. I don't know if you saw that interview with Cat, but apparently Michael Jordan was like, "Hey, I saw what you did to my team, and f you." <laughs> like, yeah. And Cat's like, "Hey, I did, I did, Nasir Timo." <laughs> I think that was great. I think the fact that um, Kate Cunningham won uh, the Rise of oh, Stars yeah. MVP was great. Um, deservingly, deservingly so, and showing why he was deserving of that first overall selection. And if he had started the season, you know, maybe he would be at the top of the Rookie of the Year conversation. Um, crazy to think that Josh Giddy is number two on most people's rankings right now. I mean, you say crazy, but I'm over here. I had my insider source at the beginning of the season. I always had faith in Giddy, you know. I always kind of knew he'd be there, but he is definitely exceeding expectations for sure. And maybe some of that is to do with Shea being out because apparently he's going to be returning from a 10-game absence this yeah. week. So. Yeah. They're still not sure about Shea. I mean, it's it's Oklahoma City. We don't really know what they're doing besides trying to get draft picks. Well, everybody knows that, like, Scotty would still be in the, the number two position or the pole position if our roster wasn't healthy. Like, his exactly. counting stats have gone down, but his overall play hasn't been affected. Like, it's not, a, it's not like it's a rookie wall or anything. It's just he's getting less opportunity. Um, Evan Mobley, Josh Giddy have more opportunity on their teams at yes. the moment and therefore have bigger, bigger stats. But, I mean... In terms of, like, total points, total rebounds, total assists, total steals, total blocks, I think he's top five in every category, which is ugh, just music to my we, ears. We, we love Scotty. You know, he had a poor poor weekend. Let's let's not even think about it. Everyone has seen the video clips. This guy couldn't hit a shot from – honestly, man, I could have probably hit one of those shots. But Dude, also once I could have. <laughs> once the second one misses, I'm sure he's there like, come on, come on. And, you know, people are talking about the Rising Stars guys all kind of being a little a little stoned before, and they yeah. all look a little bit too happy and a little bit too giddy, so that might have been something there. I don't who cares, man. It's an all-star game. Let them have fun. Let them hang out with the boys and enjoy themselves. They earned it. They deserve it. Yeah, the three-point contest was great besides Freddie. Obviously, Cat getting the W for a big man was big. Do we talk about the dunk contest? Because, again, Brutal. not great. It was a combination of Obi-Wan. Yeah, Obi-Wan. Obi-Wan. That's that is how not great it was. You know, they Obi-Wan get too many left. opportunities. It's just not fun anymore, man. We've seen it all. You know, I was talking to Matt about how they should just do a one v one tournament, you know, get the best players together. We can officially decide who the best player in the world is. Go to ten, whatever you need, but I think the dunk contest is dead, man. I just don't know anymore. I think you, you nailed it around the head that we've seen all of them. We've seen every every great dunk you know like guys have blown out candles on the on the rims of, of the backboard and you know white jumped over a car yeah or they they touch the the top of the backboard as they're dunking it vince carter literally got his arm into the hoop uh michael jordan before the free throw line zach levine and, and aaron gordon's um dunk contest battles are the Man. most epic battles in the history of the dunk competition Aaron Gordon taking it off of the mascot's head and going underneath both legs to slam that. Like, it's still Amazing. the... It, I, I know Zach won that. Aaron got robbed. That was his dunk oh, yes. contest to win. We're on the same page there. Yeah. And so, I agree with you, man. I think a, a 1v1 best to 10 would easily be way more entertaining. This was the first dunk competition in God knows how long without a 50. It's brutal. It's I think one-on-one would be so much more fun. and There's no way you can't say that you're the best player in the world if you win the 1v1 competition against Yanni or LeBron or KD, you know? You are that look, guy. If there's going to be arguments, I will come in and I'll build an eSports-style bracket. We'll make a loser's bracket so you can afford to lose to Steph Curry and then you got to beat Giannis, LeBron, and KD to get a chance to beat Steph again, right? Like think about the brackets that we could make dude it would be unreal you have to get these guys to commit obviously but i don't know man i think the dunk contest is dead and they need to do something because you know it's all-star weekend there's got to have some excitement josh donaldson tweeted it out uh recently he was like you know the mlb is the only all-star game where you actually have to go full tilt you can't you can't take off when a guy's throwing 100 miles per hour at you you have to try and hit that ball as you know, as best as you can in a regular season game. And the NFL specifically is a joke when it comes to all-star <laughs> games. The NBA is kind of a joke when it comes to all-star games. They do create a little bit more drama now with the, the point uh, total at the end and winning. And we're, stuff. In a better, we're in a better place than we were in, like, say, 2018, 
or 2017, I think, was before we made the change. Yeah, so. and, like, yeah. 2008 was, like, a bad All-Star game. Like, you know, no defense and stuff. So, um, he was talking about how, like, all sports should cancel it because it's un- embarrassing and unwatchable. And I think, you know, we need some new blood. We need some actual competition. The whole point is to see the best of the best play against each other. I don't want to see the best of the best have a rec game against each other. I want them to, to play. I want them to see who is the best. So, it's... It's always hard, you know, to get the incentive, to make these players want to do it, to avoid injury, right? Like, CP3 played, like, nine minutes, and he had his thumb injury, right? Yeah. But he was still out there doing it. So it's in a weird place, and we're, we're going to have to watch the All-Star game evolve over the next little while. But where do you want to go from here, Matt? What do you what do you want to do with the rest of this episode? Because we got a little bit of time left of us, and we got some places we could go. Man, I mean, we could do, like, a look back at the regular season we could just jump into raptors chat um if you want to save the look back for next week we can and 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 just kind of talk about the raptors obviously we didn't play this week um but we did see scotty we did see achua we did see freddie uh always nice to see an all-star weekend and we've got a we've got a pretty big week ahead um you want to talk raps yeah, I think Raps is the place to go. I think it's the only place that gives us enough time to be feasible. And you talk about you talk about all these things that we got to see. My favorite part, man, was seeing Pascal on the beach in his social media posts, relaxing, chilling, taking a little bit of a breather because, you know, Guy was on a tear. Guy really ramped it up from the beginning of the season. And, and I'm hoping that this little refresher and breather can keep that momentum going because Guy was playing the best basketball of his career. And not only that, the boys were coming together. They were building that chemistry. And unlike the last few years where we went into the All-Star break with COVID rampaging us, with injuries rampaging us, with something not working out, we're back to where we were pre-bubble. When we were doing really good, we were on a massive streak, the boys were in a great place. But now we get to have a week off instead of like three months. So I'm excited to see where we go from here. Absolutely. I'm so excited. Since the calendars flipped to 2022, um, so the last two months, the Raptors have been winning at a 682 percentage, which is one of the best in the league. And it has to do, and it definitely coincides with the fact that Siakam has figured out how to integrate his game back in. Um, Yes. You know, I've gained a lot of respect reading about what Siakam has gone through over the last years, and I'm guilty of piling on to the criticism. I've dragged you into the criticism with how heavy my criticism has been of him. Um, you and your Siakam jersey behind you. Like I've even got you thinking about taking it down sometimes. That's how criticized he's been. Pain. Oh. And it's, it was never that I thought that he was a bad guy or that, you know, this, that, or the other thing. It was that he played a selfish style of basketball. Um, it really was looking like he wanted to be the man. And if, it, if he wasn't going to be the man, nobody was going to be the man. And now he's the man but he's allowing everybody else to play up. He's making that extra pass when he drives and he and he's not probably going to make the layup. Instead of a tough attempt attempting a tough one, he makes the extra pass. He makes the rotations. He's really bought in and I'm just absolutely loving it. I read an article about how he's he's kind of trying to model himself a little bit more after Kawhi and that mental fortitude and yeah, man, he's he's been fantastic. Count me as somebody who is dead wrong on his slump. Um, and he's changing my mind on the fact that, like, I said we can't win with Freddie and Siakam. We might be able to. Honestly, dude, I'm going to give you a little bit more credit because I don't want to say that you were dead wrong because your criticism was in the right place. It was coming from, uh, you know, from your heart. It was a situation of, I know what you can do. I've seen what you can do. And I'm watching you go in the direction that we don't want you to go. We don't want you to be this snub star who thinks you can do that. We want you to turn into the veteran presence that Freddie has kind of transitioned to. Honestly, the, the both of them have kind of hit that situation. You know, Kyle leaving has allowed them to realize that, hey, we're the old guard. We need to step up and show these kids what to do. And, I mean, Scotty's numbers have struggled scotty's numbers have dipped in the last little while fantasy manager of scotty over here is a little bit sad but at the same time i remember the conversations and we know what we've seen from scotty so we know it's there we're not worried about it and at the end of the day if the team is going to get the w's i'm happy with it we're playing winning basketball and he's winning basketball and he's and he's learning how to win more and more and more and it's just growing man and it's infectious the way this team cares about each other 
I think it goes back, like you know, like you were talking about uh, Gary Trent Jr. earlier and him leading the league in steals because he's or up there in steals because he feels confident that OG has his back, that Scotty's got his back, that Pascal's got his back, that Freddie's there for him. He can make the aggressive play because he knows he's got the support behind him. And these guys play for each other; they love each other. It's it's very infectious. And I think as sad as it is to see Kyle go, the fact that now. Pascal was watching Freddie kind of take the team, and Freddie's his guy, right? Like just like yeah. Demar's Kyle's guy, Kyle's Demar's guy. Those two are are the cogs, and so yep. he was like, "Oh, Freddie, you're not just taking all the shots and trying to be all the offense. You're actually like facilitating, and, and I'm going to try to do that." And it's, I I love this version of Pascal Siakam. He's worth the 163 million <laughs> at this version. He's worth more than the 163 million at this version. That's what I love to hear, and. To add on top of that, you talk about, you know, having the trust of the guys in the locker room. Let's add on Nick Nurse, you know. Let's add on the organization as well. Let's talk about how, you know, the guys can make the risky plays because they know that Nurse is still going to play them because they've proven themselves. They know that the organization is behind them. Like, winning culture that we've established has bled down to these players and we're starting to see them enjoy basketball just straight up enjoy basketball and play winning style. And yeah, we could definitely use another body or two, for sure. I still can't believe that we're basically leading the league in minutes for the three of the top five spots. So it's like, at the end of the day, there's there's not a perfect situation that we're in. We're not amazing. We're not, I don't think we're championship contention. I don't even know if we're, you know, conference finals contention, but we are in a beautiful place and our rebuild I'm sorry, Matt. Our rebuild isn't a rebuild anymore. We have the pieces we need. We just need to keep developing them and get them to where we want them. Dude, it was just a reset. It was a yeah. it was a quick reset. Um, we lost some players. Uh, we had a down year. Uh, we weren't in, even in our country. <laughs> it had to happen, man. And you know, sometimes you need a reset to to really kick start it off again. And and that's what we've had. We we got a player like Scotty in our organization, which we would never have had the opportunity to do outside of last year's draft. Um, and the the Gary Tread Jr. trade might go down as the best Raptors trade of all time, which is wild considering we traded for Lowry. Like it might go down as the best trade of all time. But, I mean, he's technically a part... They're all a part of that trade tree. It's all related. It's all connected. It's all just a conversation of, wait, we have assets that are useful, but not exactly what we need. And you don't appreciate that guy? Yeah, come, come join us. Come join us. We'll, we'll let you be who you want to be. If you, if you want to call it all a part of the same trade tree, then you can basically say, Grievous Vasquez is the reason... That we had Kyle Lowry, Gary Trent Jr., and OG Ananobi. Grievous Vasquez! And and a championship. Yeah. Because of the Gasol trade with Valentino. There's so many there's so the many North ways Powell's that it all comes the... together. Like, bro. Grievous Vasquez. How Masai <laughs> made Grievous Vasquez into the championship move. <laughs> I have no idea. But that just that is just pure greatness. It's it's a good time to be a Raptors fan. Honestly, you know, we, we're in a roller coaster situation right now because we, we hit the top and then we fell really hard and we went back to where nobody respected us. But the good news is that we still have our players. We still have our winning culture and we still have our organization behind it. Nick Nurse is a championship coach. I will still support Nick Nurse. I will support that man 10 years from now, even if he leads, oh no, if he leads our team into the ground, then I can't support him. But at the end of the day, it's a beautiful time to be a Raptors fan. Matt, should we look ahead? Because we got games coming up. We got games coming back. It's pretty exciting, my dude. Dude, we're playing the Hornets tomorrow. We'll play the Hawks on Saturday. Um, we got two back-to-back nights this week. That's a tough one, eh? Four games Matt, and five nights. Four games and five nights. No, I get it. You know, we just had a week off. They're trying to, you know, get some games out of the way really quickly. But, man, to play the Nets in a back-to-back, both of them at home, you know, we don't know if KD is going to be back in time. We don't know if Kyrie is going to be allowed to play. So it might just be Goron against the Raps. So exciting games ahead, my friend. Goron, no Ben Simmons. Like, those should be easy dubs if, if they don't play. Um, and, you know, we play well against the Hornets. We play well against the Hawks. If we can have a 4-0 week to start, um, 
that's that's something that I'm looking for, man. I don't obviously I don't want to call it because every time I call it, we lose. <laughs> uh, we definitely lose a game. Um, but hey, man, they they're definitely open up there. It would be really good momentum considering looking at the next next week. It's actually easier than the week up ahead. So I want to see the boys come out of All Star break, guns blazing, firing, ready to make a push, Matt, because. We're this close to getting above and out of the play-in. And if we were to finish the season in fifth or sixth seed and get to go up against the Cavs, the 76ers, the, they're all scary, but it's still like it would be pretty exciting for us. It would, man, getting into the playoffs and playing a contender and pushing them to seven games is probably the best our season is going to go. Um, yeah. I mean, unless some miracle stuff happens and everything starts just clicking off all of a sudden, I, I agree with you. We don't have the bench. We don't have the, the depth on our team to really get to the NBA Finals. Um, but, man, if we could push, like, a Milwaukee Bucks, a Brooklyn Nets, um, a Philadelphia 76ers, two seven games in a first-round series or, a you know, a Chicago or a Washington or Miami and even maybe upset those teams because we can. But, but that's it. That would be it, it, the pinnacle of the season, and then next year it's championship or bust, baby. It's the idea that all of these top contending teams in the East are looking at the Raptors as like the scary first round dark horse that probably aren't going to win a championship, but we could be the team that denies a championship, which is pretty, pretty, pretty sweet at this point to think about. Man, considering last year we were talked about as needing to rebuild for the next four years. NBA pundits yeah. had written us off. They were all ranking us in the bottom five of their power rankings, bottom ten of their power rankings. Like, what up? Respect us. We're Canada. Honestly. Got this. <laughs> it's it's a beautiful time, Matt. We'll break it down more in the weeks to come, but I think it's hot take time. I think it's time for some predictions. You know, I was talking about the East. I've been all about the East. I've been really tr- looking at it apart. And, you know, I still believe in this Bulls team, Matt. I believe in them from the start. DeMar, I want him to get in this MVP conversation. He's I don't know about Lonzo, but apparently Levine is going to be coming back soon. So I'm all I'm all in the Bulls, man. They're going to claim the first seed in the East. They're going to be the top. And they're going to de- destroy the Nets in the first round, maybe, because that would be hilarious. Dude, I'd love to see Chicago get the, the first overall seed and DeMar win the MVP because of it. Um, the, I think DeMar deserves the MVP just to have it on his resume just to prove that he was a top 10 player during this era because he he is man if you talk about the points and you talk about the way that he struggled on a also ran franchise before demar derozan we were an also ran franchise chris bosh who people would probably argue is a better player than demar derozan couldn't do what demar derozan did with our franchise he had to leave i think demar derozan deserves it my heart man my heart (laughs) If we don't make the Kawhi trade, he doesn't go to San Antonio for the purgatory years where people aren't thinking about him. He leads us to probably a 60-plus win season or two and probably takes out a certain big team to go to the conference finals and lose in six, seven games. And, I mean, we we, we did have LeBron leave the East that year, so like he probably could have maybe gotten us to the finals that same year or even to the Eastern Conference Finals. Who knows if we would have beaten Giannis because we needed Kawhi in yes. the threes. Um, so it would have probably been the Eastern Conference Finals that year in 2019. But, man, uh, yeah, I agree. DeMar, DeMar does not get the respect that he deserves around the league. Um, but my hop take, man, my mystic prediction is those Nets are going down. Goron is not enough to save the Nets in these two games this week. Raps are taking them. I don't know about the other two. Um, let's say it's a two-and-two two week, but... They're definitely getting those Nets games. Look at this guy playing super safe over here. It's all right. I want to slap down the Nets. Monday and Tuesday belongs to Canada. It belongs to the Raptors. Hey, my dude. Anything else, my friend, or is that another episode down? No, man. I think we're good. Beautiful. Well, thanks, everybody, for being here. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at The Board Sports. Like, subscribe, give us that thumbs up, and check out theboardsports.net for new episodes and blog posts. And we'll talk to you next time.